Jonah chapter three, just by way of review. I know I don't need to review, but it's fun to review. This is a fun story to review, and I think we like it, right? So chapter one, Jonah has a word from the Lord. The Lord tells Jonah to what? Go, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it. Preach against it. I have a message for it, Jonah. Go. And Jonah says, no, that's right. It rhymes. And he goes in the opposite direction. In fact, he says, he tells the sailors himself, I am fleeing from the presence of the Lord. I am trying to go as far away as possible. I'm not turning to God. I am turning away from God and trying to go in the opposite direction as far as away from God's present presence and as far away from Nineveh as possible. So we know what happens. He gets on that ship. And the Lord makes a storm and the wind and the seas, and it's all raging. And the sailors are freaking out and they are praying to their God. And the captain comes down and he finds Jonah asleep at the bottom of the boat. He's like, what are you doing? Wake up, call out to your God so that maybe we could be safe. And so Jonah's like, well, <laughs> I, I would, but uh, here's the deal. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm running away from God. So why should I pray to him? Right. So they cast lots and the lots obviously fall on Jonah. They're like, Oh man, you've done a great evil. What should we do to you so that we can make the storm stop? He's like, well, throw me over into the sea and the seas will cease. The storm will cease. And so the sailors are like, no, that's not a good idea. We don't want to do that. We don't want to, you're, you're going to die, right? That's imminent death. If we do that, you're going to die. We don't want to do that. So they, they try and throw cargo over, right? They, they do all that they can. And, and finally they're like, no. It's enough. You know, we'll throw you into the sea. But Lord, they pray to God. Remember, the pagans respond to God, right? They pray to God and they say, don't let this innocent man's blood be on our hand, right? We're not here trying to murder him. This is what he wants. This is what he tells us to do. We're doing it. Have mercy on us for doing this. So they throw him in the sea. The sea ceases. And what do the pagans do, right? In fear and awe, they offer sacrifices and worship the Lord. They're in the boat while Jonah's plummeting to the bottom of the sea. And then we see, too, he gets swallowed by a big fish that the Lord sends along. And Jonah, in the big fish, and I would also say as we read chapter 2, in the bottom of the ocean, when he's saying that the seaweed is wrapped around my head and I feel as far away from earth as possible and the light's closing in on me and darkness is coming for me, he's saying, I'm going to die. He gets swallowed by a big fish. And in that big fish, he cries out to the Lord. And the Lord does what? Has the fish vomit him on dry land. And that's where we are. That's where we are. Jonah, the prophet who was told to go, who said no, who got thrown into a, the sea, swallowed by a big fish, has now been vomited onto dry land. And I want you to think about this. Jonah is not a commentary. Jonah is not a book that we should be looking at from the outside as an observer saying, well, Jonah, why'd you do it this way? If you'd only done it that way, I would have done it different, Jonah. What's wrong with you? No, no. Jonah is a mirror. When we look at the book of Jonah, we are looking at ourselves. It was a mirror to the children of Israel back then. It's still a mirror to you and me today. This is a mirror in this book. And it's a mirror that, guess what? It doesn't let us off the hook. I'm not going to rhyme. Don't worry. I'm not going to rap. Don't worry. That's just how it had in my notes and it sounded cool. But Jonah isn't let off the hook, right? And it's a mirror that shows to us the clear message of mercy and repentance. That's the book, we, the, the, the theme we see throughout Jonah, mercy and repentance. And as we see chapter three today, we are going to come to the climax of that message of mercy and repentance and see how people respond 
and then ultimately see how God responds. So with that, let us read Jonah chapter 3. And for context sake, even though we already know it, we're going to start at verse 10 of chapter 2, because that's where we left off. It says this in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Jonah, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day and his walk in the city, set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown or be destroyed or be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his anger, burning anger, so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them. And he did not do it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And let's just look to him one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful for this book of Jonah. We're thankful for the the themes, the messages, the topics that are in it, Lord. And help us not to have an outsider's viewpoint, but help us to see this as a mirror, something that is reflecting what we see in the mirror, Lord, an image that you want us to see, an image that, Lord, maybe we need to work on, an image that you're trying to get across to us. So, Lord, help us to see and to interpret and understand what you are saying to us this morning through this book. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would open all our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what you have to say, and that your Holy Spirit would move in all of us in such a way that we would go from here changed, that we would go from here a people who are ready to serve your kingdom and share the message of your kingdom to a hurting world, uh, both hearer and speaker alike, Lord. So move in us, we pray this morning through your word and through these thoughts, and we just pray that everything we do would be honoring and glorifying to you. Amen. So I'm going to reread verse one again, because when I read it, Nobody responded. There, was, there wasn't an amen. There wasn't a shout. And I'm going to say this before I re-read verse 1. Verse 1 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It has a very clear message, distinct message. It's one of those key verses in the Bible. And you're like, Steve, how is it key? It's a narration. No, but it's key because I, I want you to listen to it. And when you get it, feel free to respond with an amen or a shout of joy. Are you ready? The word of of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. One more time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Amen. Amen. Mercy right there, right? Amen. A second time. God is showing Jonah how merciful he is. Jonah messed up bad big time, didn't he? You messed up, A.A. Ron, to pull from that key and peel skit. You messed up bad, Jonah. You went the opposite way. 
You tried to flee when the Lord said, go, you said no, right? And here it is, God is showing him mercy. And it comes, the same word comes to Jonah a second time. He's giving Jonah another chance. He still wants to use Jonah for the work that he has purposed, right? No matter how bad he messed up. And you know, how many of us, you, me, how many of us need to be reminded of that? No matter how many times we mess up or how many, how bad we might mess up, the Lord is still merciful to us. He wants to show us mercy. He wants to say, come on back. Come on back. I, I still want to use him, use you. Think about this. The word of the Lord came to Steve Lamison a hundredth time, right? The word of the Lord came to you a, 200 times. The word of the Lord came to the church for the 300th time. The word of the Lord came to TRBC for the thousandth time, right? The Lord keeps coming, right? He keeps showing mercy. We love the verses in Lamentations 3, right? We read them a lot, especially during the breaking of bread. And I think sometimes we miss the point. But Lamentations 3, 22 and 24 says, as some of us know it by heart, but I'll read it anyway, because of the Lord's Faithful love, unfailing love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His mercies never cease. They never cease to you. They never cease to me. And they never cease to Jonah. So when we read that verse, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, we can say amen because it's God is that merciful. An encouraging reminder to, of, to us of God's mercy. We talked about God's mercy this morning in the breaking of bread. We read those verses of the thief on the cross who said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The mercy of God, no matter where we may be found, no matter what situation we find ourselves in or what we're going through there, the Lord wants to extend his mercies towards us. God's faithfulness in mercy is a testament to his steadfast love. If we say God is love, and we do, right? We say God is love. Him being faithful in his mercies, never ceasing, is a true testament to how much God loves us, to how much God loves the world. God is merciful. So we see this, this message of mercy right on the bat, off the bat to Jonah. Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And we see right after that word comes to Jonah, it says this. It says, the Lord tells Jonah to go up to the great city of Nineveh, right? Get up and go from where the fish just spit you out in the dry land, right? You want to know how far that is? The, the fish didn't like travel up river. It wouldn't have fit. It didn't come up the Tigris and Euphrates. There's no entryway from the Mediterranean to those rivers. It would have taken a long, long time, more than three days. I mean, it, the Lord could have done it, but it didn't happen that way. Jonah got spit up on the eastern bank of the Mediterranean Sea. Nineveh is in present-day Baghdad, Iraq, around that northern Iraq. You want to know how long that is? 500 miles. Jonah, get walking. Get up and go. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message. I want you to preach to them. Alan, you walked to Toronto a few years ago. 
That was almost 500 miles, right? Exactly 500. So think about that, how far that is. Alan knows. He's experienced it. How many days did that take you or weeks? One month. And Alan was very, he was very technical, very prudent in his walking. He made sure to get rest and food and found places to stay. And people were gracious. I don't know. Jonah was walking through some wilderness, through some desert there. So 500 miles. Walk, Jonah. Get up and go. But, but Lord, Lord, my car is in the shop. Walk. But, but Lord, I, I don't have easy pass. So the tolls on the turnpike are going to be brutal. I'm going to sit in line. Walk. Lord, that the traffic at rush hour on 78 and 22 in this area. Oh my gosh, it's gridlock. Walk. That the train, the Raritan Valley transit line to the city, it, it, it's, it's shut down for today. They're doing work or there's an accident. I can't take the train or the bus. Walk, Jonah. And you think, Lord, what, if you're merciful to him, why would you have him walk 500 miles? Maybe because the Lord wanted to use that opportunity to let it sink into Jonah, for Jonah, right? To let it sink in for what he had been called to do, what he had just experienced, what he had turned away from and was now turning to, how the Lord truly had been merciful on him, how the Lord truly wanted to still use him again and again and again, and the Lord wasn't going to quit. So guess what, Jonah, you're going to walk 500 miles and we're not going to quit. If you have truly turned away from what you were doing before, going the wrong way and now turned to the right way, think about this. You're in it for the long haul. Right. You're in it for the long haul, Jonah. We're not, we're not going to quit this. Philippians 1 6, right? Tells us this. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. When's that day? We don't know. It could be a long time. We may never say, yeah, that's right. Amen. <laughs> we may never hear it and see it on earth alive. But it's it's coming. But the Lord says, I will bring it to completion on that day. I, who began the good work in you, will bring it to completion. So keep going. Keep walking no matter how long it is because I'm still there with you. I have the mercy. I have the love. I have the faithfulness to show you and give to you so that you can keep going. So Jonah, get up and walk. And I think this was the opportunity for Jonah to realize how great the Lord is, how great his mercy is, and how bad the Lord wanted to use him to preach this message. So Jonah gets up and walks the 500 miles. And then he comes to Nineveh. And Nineveh is not Fanwood Borough, right? It is not one mile. I'm going to tell you a funny story. One time we had an emergency at youth group over in the Semino's house where somebody slipped down the stairs. We called 911 because we wanted to be smart. Thank you, Gina. Um, she gets credit for that. <laughs> um, and so the rescue squad, they come. They're literally like a half a block, two, two doors down from where the Semino's live. You can actually see them rolling out of the bay with the lights on to the house. I'm like, that's a little excessive. <laughs> but a cop shows up five minutes later. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm talking to the cop. You know, I'm so glad you guys made it. You know, I'm so glad you guys are like literally right across the street. It wasn't that far for you guys to get here. The cop goes, I was on the other side of town. Like he had to travel 500 miles. Bro, Fanwood's one square mile. You were in a cop car 
do the math, right? It's not 500 miles. It is not that burdensome. But walking 500 miles, Jonah now has to come and go into a city that is a three days walk across. You just walked 500 miles. You got the energy to walk three more days to share the message of the Lord. The Lord says, yes, you do, Jonah. Declare that message. So we see Jonah gets to Nineveh. The Lord still wants to use him. The Lord and his mercy and his plans being fulfilled still wants to use Jonah in this mighty way. And Jonah gets to the city. He he starts walking through it. And and he comes about a day in, right? He gets about a day's journey in. And he declares this message as he's walking. And it says this. In fact, this message is the shortest message in Hebrew, in the Bible, right? The shortest word of God in Hebrew, in the Bible. It's only five words in Hebrew. It's a little bit more in English, but it's only five words words. That's a really short message. Some of us come to Sunday mornings hoping the message will be that short, right? You're hoping that my message will be that short. Uh, (laughs) As we know, it's already gone way past that. So five word message over and over and over again. And this is what it says in 40 days, this city will be overthrown or demolished or destroyed. That's all Jonah says. That's the message. Now, maybe we're thinking, Jonah mailed it in, right? <laughs> little nonchalant, lackadaisical. The word of the Lord had to be more than this, Jonah. Are you really trying, bro? Like, do you actually really care if this is your message? Because there is no thus says the Lord. There is no mention of God or his character or who he is. There is no mention of Nineveh's sin and how great it is and what it means to the Lord. There is no message of how to respond. Like, if we look through all the other prophets in the Old Testament and and how the prophets come and deliver the word of the Lord, deliver the message, There's always something about God's character. There's always something about the sin. There's always something about the way to respond. And there's always a, you know, a a threat or a, a judgment if they don't respond, right? All we see is the last part, the judgment. In this, in 40 days, this city will be overturned. And, and maybe as we've already known Jonah and his thoughts about what of Nineveh. And how he didn't want to go, and obviously what Dan's going to touch in next week with chapter four and his thoughts afterwards, maybe he was like, yeah, I just want to give the bare minimum because I'm hoping in 40 days this city will be destroyed. I don't like it, Lord. I don't like the people. Israel doesn't like the people. They don't like us. So in 40 days, if they get overturned, hallelujah. They heard the message. I did my job, Lord. I can go now, right? You know, pretty much what he, I think he is thinking. And we've had those thoughts in our heads too, right? When the Lord has brought us to an opportunity to share the gospel, share it with someone that maybe we didn't see as desirable. And we thought, yeah, if I just do the bare minimum, that'll be okay. If I just share, hey, the Lord loves you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't go to hell, right? Have eternal life. Boom, right? Sometimes we we mail that message in and the Lord's like, no, no, that's not really what I called you to do. But we see that's what that's what Jonah does. That's where he takes it probably with the mindset of, I really hope they don't believe. I really hope that judgment comes. But you know what? Something strange happens, right? Something that I'm sure, as we know, as you read on in Jonah chapter four, shocks Jonah. Or maybe it brings about a realization that he already knew. They believe. 
Let me ask you, if you heard a message, in 40 days, this city will be overturned. If you went and preached that message in New York City, in 40 days, this city will be overturned. Or if you went in the playing field and said, in 40 days, this city will be overturned. What do you think the response will be? Uh, you crazy. You crazier than the, than the guitar guy right on the corner. You know, the naked cowboy guy. You crazier than that, dude. You crazier than some of the people I see in Times Square. You think I'm believing, I'm going to believe in God with that message. But we see here in Jonah chapter three, they believe, right? And they believe in a powerful way. It's not just, hey, we believe we're going to repent, Jonah. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, guys, right? We repent. Great. No, they go full tilt, right? They embrace it fully. They basically cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes, and they fast. And then the king of Nineveh hears the word of the Lord, hears the message and says, everybody's got to do this. This is how urgent, this is how important, this is how bad it is. Not just you, but your animals, your livestock. Don't eat, don't drink water, cry out to God, cover everything in sackcloth, sit there in ashes, and hopefully the Lord will show mercy to us and not destroy us like he has said. Wow. You want a response. That's a response. That's a response that Jonah should have had in chapter one. That's a response the children of Israel should have had when the Lord came to them many times through his prophets, but rarely they did. And that's why they went away into exile. Fast forward. But think about that. The response that these pagans, these Ninevites have is the response that the children of God should have. When called to repent, when called to repent by a merciful God, when called to turn away from the evil and turn back to God, do the 180. This is the response, a humbling response, a gracious response, a crying out response. How often do we do that? How often is that our response? Or we just say, ah, I'll take care of it later. 40 days? I got 40 days? I'll handle that on day 39, right? We'll be all right. Right. I'll handle that on day 35. All right. Maybe for those, some of you who are not a procrastinator like myself, maybe next week, right? <laughs> not that bad next week, or maybe you'll handle it today, but no, right away, immediate change. They repent, right? They say, we're turning from our evil ways. We're going to cry out to God and hope he doesn't do what he has judged us with, what he has promised to do. Hopefully he will relent. Hopefully he will have mercy on us. And when we think about that, how often do we realize that the world sometimes does things better than we do as a church? Rich Velota said this one time in, in preaching on Jonah 3, he says that sometimes God uses the world to teach the church. <laughs> sometimes God uses the world to teach the church. Look at the Old Testament. He used a donkey to teach a man, right? So why can't he use the world to teach the church? And sometimes that needs to happen. And we see that throughout the Old Testament. God using the world, God using the pagans, God using the Gentiles to teach his people. That's that's frightening, right? When that has to happen, how bad has it gotten? How much have we not been listening to the message of God? How much have we been going in the wrong direction? And the Lord says, no, you need to come back. You need to come back. Turn around. Turn around. God 
sometimes uses the world to teach the church. And in this case, it is a reminder of repentance, that we need to be a repentant people. We are not perfect yet. We know who we all are if we're honest with ourselves. We know what we hide from others, what people don't see in private or in the dark or in the shadows. We know who we are in public, but we know some of our deepest, darkest issues and sins. And we don't want people to see that. But the Lord says, you still need to repent from that. I see it. I want to show mercy to you, but you need to repent. We need to be reminded that we should be a repentant people. Think about what Jesus says when he comes on earth, right? One of his first messages after he's been baptized in the river Jordan, he says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is bringing down the kingdom of God to earth. And he says, repent and believe in the good news. Turn away from the evil. Turn to the good news. How often do we as believers need to be reminded of that? We need to be a repentant people. Yes, even as believers, as followers of God through Jesus Christ, we still need to be a repentant people. Just like we see here from the Ninevites. So they turn away from the direction of evil. 180 and turn to God and cry out to him. Once again, something that Jonah did the exact opposite of. He turned away from God and tried to flee and do his own thing. We know how that worked out. Got caught in a storm, got thrown in the sea, went down to the depths, and got swallowed by a big fish and then vomited out. I don't know about you, but that's not a vacation I want, right? That's not where I would like to go. That's not where I would like to find myself, (laughs) right? We don't want to see that. But we see that all through this, we see a wholehearted move towards repentance and trusting and hoping that the God who says he is merciful, he is faithfully merciful with steadfast love will be so in that moment towards them. May we have the same attitude, the same heart, the same desire when we come to the Lord and repent of the wrong direction we've been going. May we know and understand that he is merciful and he will respond in such a way. And how do we know this? Verse 10, God responds, right? God responds in an amazing way. He sees their repentance. He sees their actions. He sees, man, these people are doing what my people should be doing when they sin against me, right? (laughs) Go and read Isaiah. Go and read Jeremiah. Go and read Ezekiel. Go and read Micah. And all the times the Lord says, listen, you've had chances to repent and you don't. But here he sees the actions of the Ninevites. He sees their repentance and he turns Away, he relents from the disaster that he had promised would come upon them. And what's the last line in Jonah chapter 3? He did not do it. Mercy. Mercy. Do we understand the mercies of God? How great is his mercy? He sees the repentance and he doesn't do it. Nineveh was a violent, evil city. It didn't care for other people. It was an empire that conquered, no quarter asked, no quarter given. And here, as they repent, you would say, yes, they deserve the judgment that's coming to them. Maybe we have that heart 
and mindset of Jonah. Those bad people in the world, those sinners that we encounter, those people who have done us wrong and treated us badly, they had it coming. They deserve the judgment. But they hear the message from the Lord and their hearts change. They repent and God shows them mercy. How great is that mercy? Showing mercy and relenting from the disaster he promised to such a violent people who truly repented of their evil ways. It's a wonderful reminder to us, right? Think of 2 Peter 3.8. We we quote this all the time. I wonder if it has ever really clicked. The Lord is not slow about his promise as we count slowness. We think the Lord's slow, right? No, the, the Lord works in his own time. He doesn't work in our finite time. The Lord is not slow as we count slowness. What does he desire? He desires that all should come to repentance and believe, right? All should come to repentance and believe. How merciful is that? He desires all, everybody, all humans, no matter how bad, no matter how good, no matter how great, no matter how small. No matter what race, no matter what people, no matter what country, all people come to repentance and believe in the good news, believe in the gospel, believe in his son. That is truly mercy. So when we read Lamentations 3 and it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is not slow. He's merciful. And he desires none to perish. None would perish. All would come to repentance, right? None to perish, but all would come to repentance. That's actually what the verse says. Misquoted, sorry. None should perish, but all come to repentance. That's why he sent his son, right? John 3.16, we quote that like it's, you know, on the back of our hand. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 17, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God's steadfast love in sending his son shows us his great mercy, wanting all to believe, all not to perish, but all to come to repentance and turn to him and have the everlasting life that he has promised through his son who has saved us. That's the mercies of God. That's the call that we need to share of repentance. We have a God who is merciful in such a way that no matter how bad, how evil you are, how much you've gone in the other way and how many times you've done it, you can always repent. He is always willing to take you back. He is always willing to take you in. He is always willing to still use you. Think of the prodigal son, right? He went way off the deep end. But yet he says in his senses, in that pig slop, I had a 10 times better, a thousand times better in my father's house. I'm going to go back to him and ask for mercy. And we see the father welcomes him, him in with loving arms, runs out to meet him and hugs him in that filth, and in that swine, and in that smell. Mercy, love, what a message. What a message. So, Jonah shares this message. The people repent, and we see the mercy of God. 
truly enacting. And if God is this merciful towards people, towards us, towards you, towards me, towards the Ninevites, towards this world, then those of us who believe in him, those of us who declare and praise him for his mercy like we did this morning, should we also not then show mercy in the same way? That ain't easy. We have the Jonah mindset where we don't want to go, but the Lord's like, go, 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 go. Declare the message so that they may repent and I may show them mercy. Luke 6.36, Jesus speaking here says, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. Think about how the heavenly father has been merciful to you, to me, towards us. And Jesus is saying, be merciful in the same way. Matthew 5, 7, blessed, happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. James 2, 13, the half-brother of Jesus, says this at the end of that verse, mercy triumphs over judgment. Those who are judging, they don't show mercy, and they don't expect to have mercy shown to them. But we are a people of mercy. Mercy has been shown to us in an amazing way. And we are to show mercy to others because we know mercy triumphs over judgment. We live in a violent, unforgiving, judgmental world, right? Uh huh. We live, you ain't going to like this one, in a violent nation, a judgmental nation, an unforgiving nation, a nation with a historical track record of violence, not just in the wars we fought, some of them really stupid, some of them really costly. Some of them really, really not just, if you still believe in that just war theory, which if you do, you're walking a fine tightrope with no net. We've seen the many wars our nation has fought, and we, we can sit there and say, yeah, that didn't work out too well because, well, maybe we didn't have the right way of thinking, right? Maybe we, we were wrong in that way, and we shouldn't have acted out in war, not the way. But not just in war. Our Our nation has a violent record in in how it treats other people. From slavery to removal of Native Americans, quote-unquote, let me use the the right word of the time of the 1800s, resettling, kicking people out of their land and saying, go here where you've never been with people you don't even know. We want your land. And yes, the Natives were violent towards each other. I get it, but... (laughs) America the beautiful, we weren't then. All in the name of manifest destiny, right? Listen, I love our country, but we have this historical record of violence, not just in war, but towards other people. We as a nation are no better than the city of Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire. We need a message of mercy and repentance. And we as the church need to share that. If we want people to know that the kingdom of God is at hand and in the person and work of Jesus Christ, then we must proclaim and live out the message of repentance and mercy from a faithfully loving God. 
If that's who we believe God to be, if that's who we put our faith and trust in, if that's who we believe the Lord Jesus Christ to be and what he's done for us, then this is what we need to be to a world that is so violent, hurting, oppressed, judged, unforgiving. If we want to make the dent, we can't fall in line with that. We have to turn away and show them mercy, no matter how bad it is. And that's for you and me, fellow believer, you and us, church, you and us. Believers in Christ, we have been called to do so by God, by our Savior, who left that example for us to do. We want to be different and show who God is. Then we shouldn't be judgmental. We shouldn't be unforgiving. We need to show mercy. We need to realize it isn't going to happen if we make America a Christian nation first. No. No, it's not going to happen that way. God has not called us to make nations Christian. He has called us to proclaim the message of the gospel of mercy and repentance so that all may believe. And if that message goes first, if that message triumphs like it's supposed to, then yes, that other part will happen, but not through political means, not through decrees or laws, but through us sharing the message, even in the most violent controversial, oppressive places, sharing that message of love and mercy. It's not going to be done through a political party. It's not going to be done through an ideology. It's not going to be done through any isms that we can think of, that we've come up with in this world. It's going to be done through us, the believers, the people of God, who have been called to share that message, just like Jonah, of mercy and repentance. We need to live out our lives. And as Jesus says, live out a life producing fruit worthy of repentance and to be merciful as God has been merciful towards you and me. Don't be like Jonah. Don't need to walk 500 miles to have that click. And who knows if it did. Remember that we shouldn't be like him that we should be people who show mercy and preach repentance and preach a gospel of good news of the kingdom of God that has been made possible by our loving Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be like Jonah, who, as we will find out in chapter 4, pretty much disregarded (laughs) everything that the Lord had done and everything that the Lord had shown him. Be merciful. Be repentful. Be the people in the kingdom of God here on earth, as it is in heaven, that we have been called to be. May that be the image we see in the mirror when we look at the book of Jonah. May that be the impact of the gospel that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. May that be the life we live, the light we shine, and ultimately the message we carry to a world that so desperately needs it. And may they respond in kind, just like the Ninevites. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for your word, for your message, and for your mercy. 
And Lord, we, we admit that sometimes it, it baffles us. It boggles our mind of how merciful you are. And we can't wrap our heads around it because if we admit it and if we're honest, we truly don't like to be that merciful towards others. But when we consider how merciful you are, that it is steadfast, that it is unfailing, that it is faithful, that it is new every morning. Lord, that is a mercy that goes far beyond any problems, any issues, any things that we have encountered in this world, any things that we may be facing or any things that we may be going through. So, Lord, help us to remember that mercy that you have shown us so that we may declare it to others and that they, too, may repent and believe and hope in that mercy, just like you've called us to do. So, Lord, help us if we need to repent anywhere in our lives, if we need to turn from going the wrong way in anything, whether it be following you, living out for you, being merciful as you have been mercy, Lord, show us that. Don't let us get thrown into the sea or swallowed by a fish. But, Lord, help us to understand clearly and to repent and to turn from going in the wrong direction and to turn back to you and to truly live out the lives that you have called us to live, to reflect the kingdom of heaven here on earth, to declare that good news, and to show how merciful, how loving, how wonderful, and how beautiful you are to such a world as this. Challenge us, Lord. Give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, we pray. Show us mercy in all these things. We ask this in your name, in your name alone. Amen.